thank these musicians enough. What a glorious group today. Amen. There's not a preacher in the country that wouldn't love to be here and preach this morning. A couple of them out here, not preachers, would like to, but we're not going to. I want to say thank you also to the ladies who did a marvelous job this morning. Uh, just a great job. We appreciate that so much. <clears throat> I asked him in the kitchen, there's as many men over there as there were women on Mother's Day. And they're just calmly passing out meals and getting things done. There's nobody sweating. Their makeup's not running or anything. I said, how do y'all do that? We're here on Mother's Day and we're running like stuffed pigs trying to get everything done, sweating and all that. And one of the ladies said, I think it's probably because we do it more than y'all do. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know of a solution available for that. So we'll just let it stand like that. Ladies, you did a marvelous job. I appreciate it so much. Turn, if you would, to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. We've been in Joshua now, I don't know, about eight months, I think, something like that. I've lost count, but we're winding down. We're coming to the close of it. And in Joshua chapter 24, uh, for a Father's Day sermon, you can preach on Joshua any day you want to. Uh, he's a godly example and a wonderful person to pattern our lives after. Uh, he's getting older. This passage of scripture here in chapter 24 is an address to the children of Israel. It's his farewell address. Uh, he's an old man now. He's telling them goodbye. And, uh, but he's, he's got a lot of wisdom. He does not want them to lose what they have. They fought and they've gotten into the promised land. Now, how do you stay in the promised land? See, there are a lot of folk like I call Alka-Saucer Christians. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. And then they're gone. Shoot off like a bottle of rocket, in three months, they're gone. How do you get into the promised land and stay into the promised land? And Joshua gives us some ideas here because this promised land stands for victorious Christian life. And I want to tell you something this morning. I'm not downing you. I don't want you to think that for a moment. But God didn't call you to mope around here in life. Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. Not just life, but abundant life. It's not God's will that you barely get by. It's God's will that we're more than conquerors. And so how do you keep doing that? We, 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 when you look at this, uh, it, it, it compares so much with our lives today. It, it's like you're... You're watching it on the television news right now, this 24th chapter. Let me look at verse 12, uh, beginning in verse 11. And would you stand with me in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? Verse 11 of chapter 24, Joshua. And you went over Jordan, came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergeshites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I see the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I've given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards, which you planted not, do you eat. Now therefore, fear the Lord, Serve him in sincerity and truth. 
Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, you choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. The Lord drove them out from among us, before us, all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he's our God. Now look at verse 19. Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. Father, thank you this morning for your word. May it burn within our hearts. And Lord, may we see the examples that Joshua is leaving for us today and how applicable they are for our lives in this very time right now. Bless this time, Lord. Don't let people see me, but oh God, could they hear you? Could they sense the power of the Holy Spirit that's in this place today? God, have your way in every life in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're going to maintain uh, the life of victory, there are four things that Joshua says we've got to do. Number one, we've got to be careful to practice reverence. We've got to be careful to practice reverence. Now, a lot of people get this wrong now. Listen to me right up front. Reverence is not deadness. Let me say that again because you didn't understand that. Reverence is not deadness. Some people think reverence, you've got to slump your shoulder over and walk around. Don't dare say a word when you come in the sanctuary. Man, this is the house of God. You ought to be excited to be in the house of God. This is the time when we're going to lift our hands and hearts toward God and praise the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the reverence I'm talking about here. You can, he said, first of all, in verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord, fear the Lord. The first thing he says, you can know You've lost your walk with God because you get casual, you get careless, you lose the awe, you lose the respect, you lose the fear of the Lord. You might want to just put these verses down. I'll read them to you. The Bible says in Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. You want to have God reveal things to you? You fear the Lord. He'll show you his covenant. Psalm 31, 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Psalm 33, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, uh, upon them that hope in his mercy. 
Psalm 115:13. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. If you want a blessing, I mean, who, who doesn't want a blessing? Then you fear the Lord. Psalm 147:11. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him. You know, I've determined something in my life. I'm not very bright, but I have earned, learned this. It's not easy. But when I please the Lord, it really doesn't matter who I displease. There's a flop side of that. When I displease the Lord, it really doesn't matter who I please. He said, if you want to live a victorious life and stay in there, you make sure that you fear the Lord because he's a holy God. He's a, a reverence God. You look at him with awe and, and fear him. I'm not talking about a negative fear. The difference between a slave and a son, a slave fears his master's lash, but a son fears his father's displeasure. We don't want to do anything that would embarrass the Lord Jesus Christ. Probably the best illustration I find in the Word of God is in Mark chapter 4. Jesus is in the middle of the boat and he's asleep and a great storm comes up. The disciples are just running around like chickens with their head cut off. And they finally go down to Jesus and he said, Master, careth not that we uh, perish? And I want to tell you, he was either mighty confident or he was dead tired. May have been both of those. Careth not that we perish? How can we sleep? We're sinking and he said unto them, listen, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And Jesus rebuked that kind of fear. But now listen to the next verse. The next verse said, and they, because he'd done stomp, calm the storm and everything's great. The next verse said, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this? That's the kind of fear I'm talking about. We're to reverence him. He, listen to me. He's not the... He's not the great old man upstairs. Now you listen to me and listen good. Every one of us in this room know that we're not to take the name of our Lord in vain. But I want to tell you the same thing applies when we flippantly use that too. He's not some pie in the sky. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The Lord Jesus Christ who died on Calvary for our sins. He's to be feared. <laughs> Vance Havner, that he came from the North Carolina, South Carolina area, had that nasally uh, talk like that. He was talking about Gypsy Smith. Gypsy Smith was an evangelist. Uh, he was saved, uh, died at the age of 87, a tremendous evangelist. He began to preach as a young man at 17 years old. He was original. He was colorful. Uh, he said this. He said, I was born in a field. Don't put me in a flower pot. Then I think about Dr. Habner talked about the fact that he was no theologian and he mentioned another guy, Sam Jones. Sam Jones said he liked flowers, he just didn't like botany. He said, I like, I like religion, I just don't like theology. And then Dr. Habner said, I'm also in the same boat with Billy Sunday. He said, Billy Sunday said, I don't know any more about theology than a jackrabbit knows about ping pong. But he said, I know Jesus saved me, and I know Jesus called me. In old Gypsy's deathbed, they asked him, how at 87 are you so vibrant? How are you so thrilled? 
And Gypsy just muttered out these words before going to meet the Lord. I've never lost the wonder of it all. Man, have you lost the wonder of what God has done for you? I've never lost the wonder of it all. The second thing that's here is courage. Verse 15 says, if it seem evil uh, unto you to serve the Lord, you choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father served that were on the other side of the flood, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But now listen to this resolve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now that's courage. What he's saying here is he's standing up here in front of this whole crowd and he said, look, you serve anybody you want to. But I want to tell you what me and my house are going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful. It takes courage to do that back when Joshua did that. Let me tell you something, folks. It takes courage to do it right now in 20, what year is this? 18? 2018. It takes courage to do it today. Maybe even more courage today than it did back then. But he says, I've got, I, now, now look at verse 14 again. He said, serve him in truth and sincerity. Sincerity is a word means without blemish. It talks about the sacrifice that came that we offered. It was without blemish. It was perfect. We need to, to have a sacrifice that is whole and complete and doesn't lack anything. You say, well, I, I'm, I'm giving and I'm doing that. Well, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about us being the living sacrifice. We're to give ourselves. See, the, the, I know, you know everybody's worried about finances and new buildings and all this stuff. Listen, any problem we got here in this church is a heart problem. Not a money problem. It's a heart problem. When you fall so in love with Jesus, nobody's going to have to beg you to, to tithe. Nobody's going to have to beg you to be a witness where, at your work or your school or wherever you are. Nobody's going to have to beg you to do all that. You're going to want to do it. You're, you're, going to, you're going to think of the all that Christ has done for you and what you can do for him. No, nobody's going to do that for you. So he said, in sincere worship, I need to continually be giving myself to God. Now, you older saints of God, just listen just for a moment. Then you can go back to sleep after this. But listen just for a moment. Don't come up here telling me you paid your dues. I know there's a lot of young people around, and I know they can work harder than we can, and they can do a lot. But they can also get out of the way while we do something too. I believe in the kingdom of God from looking around at East Texas, there's enough work for everybody to do. Sincere. It's to be a scriptural worship. Now look at it. <clears throat> in sincerity and in truth. Now, sincerity is not a substitute for truth. I hear it all the time. Well, I know he's not doing what he ought to be doing. The Bible doesn't say that, but he's, he's sincere about it. Well, let me tell you, if you worship the Lord in sincerity without truth, you're going to be a fanatic. Now, I can take some of that some of y'all think I'm a fanatic. I'd like to get around a real fanatic with you. We got some. I mean, they just, it's fanaticism. But if you worship the Lord in truth 
and not in sincerity, you're a legalist. So you can take it over here to the fanatic or you can take it over here to the legalist. But Joshua said, I'm going to serve him in sincerity and truth, both. You sincerely and truthfully serve the Lord and worship him, then you're going to be a beautiful Christian in truth and in sincerity. Steadfast. Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. You know what he's saying? I don't care what choice you make. I can't force you to make that choice. I can't force you to live for Christ. I, none of this, it's all above my pay scale. But as for me and my house, let me just tell you right now, we're going to serve the Lord. And that serve does not mean going out and giving donuts or going to the hospital. That serve means we are going to worship the Lord in sincerity and truth. If we want to live in the promised land, could I tell you something this morning, Daddy? You're the priest of the family. If all the worship your family's getting is right here, they're, they're malnourished. You need to be worshiping with your family constantly. We read it earlier in Deuteronomy. When they get up, when they go to bed, all those are teaching examples of when we ought to be teaching our kids. Now, I love you teachers wonderfully, but... Man, I, I know the system that you work in. It's a humanistic system. It's a lot more humanistic now than it was 10 years ago and a lot more humanistic than it was 30 years ago. But it is what it is. And if you're not contradicting some of the things that the humanistic school system puts in your kids, they're going to be raised not knowing. I made a statement, somebody, several gasps for breath, uh, Wednesday night, but I've just made a statement. I'll be dead by then, so it won't make me any difference whether it's right or not. But in the next 10 years, if things continue to go the way they're going, Southern Baptists are going to be ordaining homosexuals and ordaining women. They're going to be doing it with deacons and pastors. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah? When's the last time you heard a preacher preach against evolution? Boy, we used to jump in the middle of that. Oh, well, you know, that's gone. Well, that's the whole foundation for our young people. You need to know you didn't come from no monkey. Quit acting like a monkey. You didn't come from a monkey. You were created in the image of God. God created you. And we need to teach our children what the Word of God says, the worldview. He said, I don't know what choice you're going to make. I'll tell you what else he was saying here, too. Now, it's, it's an innuendo, but he literally is saying that I don't care if I have to stand alone. I'm still going to stand. I don't care if nobody, you know, I got the looking back. <laughs> There's pretty good company with that. I think old Noah stood alone, was called a bigot, a fool, no doubt. Preached 120 years, building a boat. Elijah stood alone. There were 450 prophets of Baal. All the Christians were hid over here in the bushes waiting to see what was going to happen. Now when he called fire down from heaven, they all came out of the bushes. Amos stood alone before the king's court. I, I just tell you, you may have to stand alone. There may not be nobody backing you up. You may have to say, look, I don't care. I'm on the word of God and I'm going to stand. Sometimes 
denominations have to stand alone. Southern Baptist right now is the only denomination left that is simply saying the Word of God is the true, inerrant, infallible Word. That's it. And could I confess to you this morning that in half of the Southern Baptist churches are saying now, the preacher in the pulpit doesn't even believe that. When you start saying that this book has errors, then you can prove anything you want to prove. You can go any direction you want to go. But it's not going to be God's direction. Sometimes churches have to stand alone. Maybe when their denomination doesn't or won't. Sometimes families have to stand alone. Sometimes families have to leave churches because the church won't do right. And in these last days, you're going to see more and more of it. Because there's more and more people more interested in having numbers than they are in having lives changed. My favorite one. Preacher, I, I go to these little country revivals, Brother Dale, and they'll say, I'd like to get out of here, but I can't. Grandma's buried back there in the backyard. And uh, the little cemetery, you know, you got to be a member of the church to you know, get back there. I remember old Adrian Rogers one time said, Grandma would probably get up and leave herself if she could. I'm just telling you, man, life is too short. We're too close to the finish line for you to be somewhere around people that's not hooked up to the inerrant word of God and saying, let's move on for the glory of God. Joshua said, I can't control what you do, (laughs) but I can control what I'll do, and I'm going to serve the Lord. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, then you choose who you're going to serve. But it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Let me give you the third thing here quickly. Uh, There's got to be reverence. There's got to be courage. And then thirdly, there's got to be continual repentance. Now, therefore, serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve the Lord. Put away those gods. Now, this is kind of strange here because he's saying put away those gods that you served on the other side in Egypt. They haven't been in Egypt for 40 years. There's somebody there still serving the gods of Egypt. And they've been delivered out of Egypt for 40 years. They went through the plagues and saw what God did. They came through the Red Sea and saw what God did. They wandered in the, in the wilderness for 40 years and saw what God did. They crossed the Jordan River and saw what God did. They conquered Jericho and Ai and all the other cities and, and, uh, of uh, uh, Israel there and saw what God did. And some of them are still serving the old gods. Hmm. Some of the ancient gods that we serve and they served. There was an ancient god named Mammon. That's the god of wealth. Folk just trying to put it up, you know. Well, you you definitely need to plan for the future. And you need to put it up. But I just remind you, if a nuclear bomb drops anywhere around here, that's going to be useless to you. If God decides you breathe long enough and your day is up and you drop dead, that's going to be useless to you. The God of Mammon. There's another God. His name was Bacchus. He was a God of pleasure. Man, who, who doesn't want to have fun? 
But this pleasure was debauchery. And then there was a god of Aphrodite or Venus. That's sexual lust and promiscuity. I told, I told one of them asked a question down at Arabella this morning. I told them, listen, this deal with homosexuality and all this perversion and all, it didn't just start here 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Man, it goes all the way back. It's all the way back. It's sin. It's, it's, it's been happening. Another ancient god was Mars, uh, the god of war. Uh, another ancient was Sophia, the goddess of wisdom. What, we've done that in America today. We have substituted, thus saith the Lord, to this is what I believe. When you hear a preacher say, this is what I believe, you better jump and run. Because it doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what the Word of God says. I was reading a book by Steve Farah and a great men's ministry leader. And he, uh, he talked about the, uh, mm, the uh, parallel between our society and worshiping Baal. There were four things that uh, you had to believe to be a good Baal worshiper. Number one, you had to be pro-choice. You couldn't worship Baal unless you were pro-choice. Now listen, there's a little difference in their pro-choice and our pro-choice. Our pro-choice is we kill them while they're in the womb. Their pro-choice was they were born a baby and then they offered them up as a sacrifice. That's Baal. Secondly, they were environmentalists. Whoo, hug a tree, baby, hug a tree. I love trees. I really do. But I love my family more than I love my trees. But if you go back and study Baal, they were concerned about fertility and crops more so than human beings. I'll never forget when Becky and I moved to Port Arthur or to Nederland back in the early 80s. We had a wonderful old man across the street, him and his wife, Mr. and Ms. Hooper. He worked at Texaco and retired and, and had worked there in the 30s and 40s and 50s and he said, the, the, the deal with Texaco is, at Texaco, we were always more concerned with the mules than the men. Because a man dropped dead, you could, they had them standing in line wanting a job. But a good mule is hard to find. Hmm. Boy. Thirdly, the Baal worshipers were a part of a promiscuous lifestyle. They, they're, they're God. They worship that way. Homosexuality was at the very core of this, the very root of it. And then fourthly, they sought to legitimize Baal worship with God worship. Now, here's what they did. Nobody came up and said, you got to get rid of your God because we, we, it is wrong to just say you've got one God. That is wrong. We want to legitimize many gods. And that's the same thing. Now, there's some folk that don't like Christ, and, and they've fought everything they can to get rid of Jesus and the Bible and all that. But by and far, most religions today that are cults are not announcing, let's get rid of God. Let's throw him out. Let's get rid of God. They're just saying, let us have our God too. I mean, there's not, not really just one way to get to heaven. Well, there's got to be more ways than that to get to heaven. So let's just have all of these gods and then you choose the one you want. Hmm. 
we got a lot of old gods we need to come through and repent of. I love that song today. Got saved. Amen. Mm. You say, preacher, I was at a meeting this week and they were calling out favorite Bible verses. Somebody called out, of course, always John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Somebody called out John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Somebody called out Psalm 23. I mean, there were just all kinds of, and, and they said, well, what's your favorite verse? You haven't said anything. I said, my favorite verse is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the verse that I use. Now, you say, well, you're supposed to have been saved. I want to just tell you something and just shoot straight with you. I've done a whole lot more repenting after I got saved than I did before I got saved. I've messed up a whole lot more after I got saved than before I got saved. We got to be repentant. Let me give you the last thing I'm through. There's got to be a complete reliance on God. Verse 16, Joshua tells them what to do, and the people say, okay, we'll do it. We got it in our notebook, preacher. It's in our notes. It's on the church's website. We're going to do it. Joshua said, you're lying. I mean, you'd have thought if they come and, I'll just tell you this right now, I'm not enough prophet to know the difference. If you come and tell me it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be with you. I'm going to slap you on the back and say, praise God. But Joshua said, you're lying. You're not going to do it. Because of the lifestyle you're living now tells me you're not going to do it. Huh. He goes on to say, God is holy. God is jealous. He'll not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord. <laughs> he said, all this mouthing off you're doing, you say it, but you don't mean it. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, he'll turn and do you hurt, consume you. And they said, no way, Joshua, we'll serve the Lord. And so Joshua says later on, you're witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we're witnesses. Then he says, put away the strange gods which are among you. Now watch it. Incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. What does that mean, incline your heart? That means completely rely upon the God of Israel. Completely. He tells them here, man, you're, you're sitting in cities that you didn't build. You're enjoying the luxuries of life that you didn't do. Can we not say that same thing here? I mean, our, our forefathers came to America. Man, I want to just tell you, if you, you want to get something to just blow your mind, just go to Dallas or, you know, I don't know, go to Tyler. I guess Longview even. Get up on a high building and just think how many sewer lines are running down all these streets and everything. That's been there for years. You didn't plan any of that. Can you imagine what New York City is? underground hey we're living in in luxury because somebody else paid for it this church here started under a tent wasn't any padded pews tent now granted 
I'm, I'm, I wasn't alive then. Well, I, no, I wasn't alive in 51. But it couldn't have been as hot in June back then as it is now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm beginning to leave, believe that there is a warming up. We're, we're experiencing it. Joshua said, your witness is against yourself. You've got to have complete reliance on the things of God. Because it's God who works in you to do his good and perfect will. People make promises, easy to talk, soon to be forgotten. And then they make them in the strength of their flesh. Simon Peter, when he spoke of some forsaking him, old Simon said, Lord, that's not going to happen to me. You can count on me. It was a boast of the flesh. If you want to maintain your spiritual victory, you better make sure you're relying on God and not on how strong you are. Would you pray with me? If you're here this morning and you're lost without Christ, you've never had a relationship, none of this is going to work for you until, first of all, you come to Jesus. And you say, Lord Jesus, I confess my sins. I repent of them. You're going to have to come in and save me through the blood that you shed on Calvary or I cannot be saved. Thank these musicians enough. What a glorious group today. Amen. There's not a preacher in the country that wouldn't love to be here and preach this morning. A couple of them out here, not preachers, would like to, but we're not going to. I want to say thank you also to the ladies who did a marvelous job this morning. Uh, just a great job. We appreciate that so much. <clears throat> thank these musicians enough. What a glorious group today. Amen. There's not a preacher in the country that wouldn't love to be here and preach this morning. A couple of them out here, not preachers, would like to, but we're not going to. I want to say thank you also to the ladies who did a marvelous job this morning. Uh, just a great job. We appreciate that so much. 